April 28th is the time of this recording, and like many, many families around the world, mine has been sheltering in place to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. My teenage sons have been home distance learning for just over a month. With my boys at home and apparently feeling quite snackish, I've noticed something interesting happening in our kitchen. Full bags of tortilla chips are just flying off the pantry shelf, for example. Boxes of cereal, the good kind, you know the ones, are gone in a day. All the chocolate mini eggs are no more, and I'm not even the culprit this time. Meanwhile, though, they bypass the apples, the citrus fruit, all the green vegetables, which are at eye level in our fridge, don't seem to even exist in their teenage world. Beans are happening because what burrito would be good without them, right? So at least they're taking in some protein. Other than that, the whole thing is kind of out of control. It is nutritional mayhem in my house. If you have kids at home, no matter what age, you probably know what I'm talking about too. But before you judge me too harshly, please know I told my boys I'm going to make them listen to this recording. And before you judge my boys, imagine your mother making you listen to her recorded voice for 10 to 15 minutes. And then imagine she has invited two experts to join her. I'm Mara Bowen, podcasting for the Abbott Nutrition Health Institute. And I have the happy pleasure of recording today with pediatric gastroenterologist, Dr. Robert Murray, and pediatrician, Dr. Karen Wolf. They are here to discuss the importance of helping kids and parents maintain a balanced approach to nutrition, not just in this era of COVID-19, but really anytime. They'll discuss some of the key nutrients that support health in children, and they'll talk about the role nutrition can play overall in healthy growth and development. And by the end of this, maybe we will all know how to entice our children to eat some roasted vegetables for once. Dr. Murray, Dr. Wolf, welcome. And as you can tell from my intro, I am thrilled you're here. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for inviting me. So one thing to note for our listeners, this podcast recording may sound a little different than you're used to hearing. That's for the sake of social distancing. Dr. Murray, Dr. Wolf, and I are all dialing in for today's discussion rather than sitting in the studio. Can you both tell us a little bit about yourselves, your current roles, what brought you to this area of focus in your career? Dr. Murray, do you think you'd like to go first? Sure. Um, I'm uh, Bob Murray. I was a a pediatrician who then went on and got a fellowship in pediatric gastroenterology and nutrition. And I practiced at uh, Children's Hospital here in Columbus for about 21 years and then uh, uh, did some work at Abbott Nutrition for a few years and came back and ran um, the weight management center doing medical and surgical weight management for five years. So uh, a little bit of of all kinds of things, but my focus has generally been on nutrition. Great. Thank you. And how about you, Dr. Wolf? Sure. Thanks, Mara. I'm a general pediatrician. I've been in practice for the past 17 years. Uh, I am the mom of four teenagers, and I'm currently the medical director for pediatrics at Abbott. I was drawn to the role at Abbott because I really believe in the role of nutrition and health and the importance of teaching our kids about good nutrition. Great. Thank you. We're going to switch up our format a bit today because I think our listeners would really appreciate hearing a conversation between two experts. Sure. That sounds great. All right. Great. Let's get started. Dr. Wolf, let's kick it off with you. Sure. So, Dr. Murray, I think one of the things we want to be clear about today is that in the setting of sheltering in place and all the stress that's going on in the world, is now the time to be making uh, drastic changes to try to improve the nutrition of your family? No, I I think uh, rather than being more strict about nutrition, I would relax a little. Um, I I think the important thing is to be practical. And 
do the best you can with uh, the situation that you're facing. But with kids at home and um, the social situation and uh, a lot of worry among both adults and kids, I think this is not the time to be terribly strict about nutrition. As we are thinking about uh, nutrition in general, before we get into some details and some tips and tricks for uh, parents at home right now, could you just give us a little bit of understanding about the state of pediatric and adolescent nutrition in the U.S. before the COVID-19 pandemic hit? Sure. Yeah. You know, we've made some good progress uh, in pediatric nutrition. It's been slow, but it's it's coming along. As you know, uh, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, we started to see the first signs of the obesity epidemic, and it caught everybody by surprise at that time. Uh, and by the turn of the century, around 2000, uh, we were really having um, a lot of problems with child nutrition. Uh, because of our focus on fat, we really had begun to consume much more simple sugars and uh, many more calories, and, and so people were becoming obese. Since that time, though, we've had uh, some pretty decent progress. We've dropped um, sugar intake in this country and among kids uh, by uh, between 15 and 20 percent since its peak around the 2000 period. Uh, and if you look at the healthy eating index scores of kids dating back 25 years, there's been slow, steady progress as we've improved messaging and also begun to improve school meals, uh, WIC, um, preschool things in the uh, child and adult feeding programs and the like. As those standards have come up, we've really seen an improvement in nutrition. So uh, we entered this lockdown with some progress made, and I think uh, temporarily uh, we're probably getting a little setback, but uh, nothing too severe. That's great news overall, and um, it's it's good to hear that. I think um, one of the things that you mentioned is school nutrition and WIC. One of the concerns that happened around uh, the uh, the pandemic is that schools are shut down, and what is the impact of this on uh, childhood nutrition? Well, yeah, as you know, uh, WIC is for Women, Infants, and Children program. Uh, about half the country are eligible because of uh, risks for nutrition or poverty. Uh, so in the first few years of life, WIC plays an enormous role uh, in terms of nutrition and getting the child off to a good start. Uh, for families that are in trouble, um, we have the SNAP program, you know, the old food stamp program, which helps the family as a whole. But very importantly for children, we have the school meal programs. So we have school breakfast, national school lunch program, after school meals, summer meals. Uh, and all of these collectively have had a very positive effect on child nutrition and diet quality. So the fact that kids are out of school is a huge financial burden to families, but it's also a nutritional risk for children. I know that in our school district and many around, uh, before online learning even got uh, up and running, we had uh, the school lunches being distributed. And I'm not sure if that's the case everywhere, but it, it speaks to the importance uh, that the school lunch program plays, uh, plays in childhood nutrition in the United States. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we... We worry about it. We, we were worried about it um, previous to this um, 
COVID-19 infection because we would see these kids who were really propped up by school meals suddenly go out into the summer for three months. And for a a child who's food insecure, that's a very risky and um, difficult period uh, where they aren't sure where the next meal is going to come from. So um, we're really trying our best to relax the rules around USDA and in the different states so that we come up with creative ways to get these meals to kids, even though they're um, sheltering in place. So, Dr. Murray, can you just take a step back and explain to us why we talk about good nutrition? What beyond satisfying hunger does good nutrition do for the for the developing body of a child? It does many, many things. And, you know, it's one of the key three things that I think make a child's foundation strong. Uh, one of them is diet quality because the the body, uh, not just the muscles and the bones, but all the organs and particularly the brain are dependent on a consistent flow of high-quality nutrition to develop optimally. And then the other two things that go along with that that help a child, um, one is an environment that really gives them uh, challenges and opportunities to explore because that's how a child learns is that early exploration. And then the third is nurturing relationships with adults. And if a child has those three, diet quality, a stimulating, safe, Uh, environment to explore and good nurturing relationships that really brings out the best in kids. I think that's so important to stress that it is the whole picture, not just nutrition, but nutrition is one of those key roles. I think a question I get a lot in uh, in practice is how do I know if my child's getting enough of the right nutrients and how do I make sure that they're eating a high quality diet? And, um, you know, as kids go through different phases, they uh, eat different amounts of foods. And I, do you have any advice uh, that you've given your patients around that, Dr. Murray? Yeah, I, I usually approach nutrition pretty simply, although you have teenagers, Karen, so nothing is simple <laughs> about nutrition and teenagers. But when I when I think about nutrition for myself or for um, my family or talking to other families, I, I really approach it pretty simply. There There are five food groups, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, dairy, and quality proteins. And so the name of the game is to really mix and match these five food groups at all meals and all snacks. And your your goal is for the child to see a broad diversity within each of those five groups. So one of the first questions I always would ask a, a, a child when I was talking with them was, what food in the in the grain group do you like? You know, what crackers, what bread, cereals? Uh, what foods do you like in the uh, dairy group? Every child and every parent should be able to identify some rock-solid foundational foods that really make that group strong. So if you think about quality proteins, the child may really like eggs or may like beans or uh, peanut butter, and, and those are good foundation foods to build around. Um, if you can do that in those five food groups, you mix and match them with a lot of diversity. You'll fill in all those gaps um, and, and don't have to worry so much about individual nutrients. 
one of the things you mentioned that's interesting is that diversity. And from uh, introducing new foods to infants, we know that sometimes it takes 20 or more times uh, of introducing a new food before a child will accept it. Uh, and that's a lot of no's or potential uh, dislikes before uh, a food becomes more acceptable. How, um, how can we do that more routinely? Or what if children are a little older? Is it, does it get any easier to introduce new foods to them as they get older? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't get easier. Uh, but I think, you know, you have this window of opportunity early in life where the child is relatively open to novel flavors and tastes and smells and colors. And so that advice you just gave is really important, particularly when they're young, that you don't get uptight about it. If they turn away from a food, you keep bringing it back and you keep trying it in different guises and, uh, you know, uh, so that the child experiences the smells and tastes and flavors over and over and over again. And that's the key to acceptance. Um, you know, we, we talk about uh, the pluses and minuses of a baby-led weaning, but one of the things that I like to take away from baby-led weaning where you let the child play with new foods so if you steam broccoli or you give them, uh, you know, uh, carrot pieces, they actually play with them first, touch them, smell them, feel them, and then gradually that becomes something that they accept. And that's part of that, uh, offering them food multiple times is let them play with the food and they kind of naturally explore the food on their own. I think that leads great into our next idea, which is as these kids get older and we are sheltering in place, you may have an opportunity to do a little more cooking or meal planning with your child. Um, I know my teenagers uh, are, are much more interested in how we're cooking things or what's for dinner, and I've challenged them to think a little bit about meal planning as well. But for your school-age children, uh, the opportunity of spending extra time at home is maybe you have a little more time to get them involved in the cooking. And we know that children who do um, help to select certain foods or help to do meal preparation are more likely to try those foods, even if they're new. Uh, and especially in a time when we're talking about stress and um, challenges of, of some of the emotional aspects of being stuck at home, giving kids some control over choice uh, in some of those food preparations uh, it's actually a, a, one of the methods of helping to control stress is to giving them some choice there. So it's a great way to get them to experiment with some new foods um, and also be emotional, uh, mindful of their emotional well-being during this time. Yeah, that's great advice. I think anything we can do to get um, get the child involved in the planning and thinking and um, and cooking and, and things will help nutrition and go a long way. And if they have a certain set of foods that they like. Um, you know, they particularly like salsa. You can try other things with that salsa to try and branch out a little at a time. And that, that kind of incremental change, I think, is the secret to building good nutrition. Not, not wholesale swap outs of foods, but, but actually taking foods they like and trying to find ways of making them a little stronger each time. One of the other interesting things about this time of sheltering in place um, is really the opportunity to have 
family meals. Uh, and there has been a lot of research done on the importance of family dinners in particular, um, but we do know that children who eat meals together as a family routinely um, experience many benefits, but some of them are actually eating a wider variety of foods. Um, they witness their parents eating these foods, and then they're uh, more likely to try them as well. Um, and there's some long-term positive outcomes uh, around obesity and um, an overall uh, intake of quality of nutrition. So one of the things we talked about possibly reducing stress was having some routine in your day-to-day uh, and the opportunity of introducing routine family dinners if that wasn't already part of your um, of your family's routine might be a great uh, habit to start while you're sheltering in place. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge uh, bullet point for everyone. Uh, if you haven't been doing family meals to start them, or if you have, don't give them up now. You know, the structure in the day is one of the most powerful de-stressing things for a child. They know what's coming. They know what to expect. And so um, you don't want them to have disrupted sleep schedules. You want them to wake up and have three meals and one or two snacks during the daytime. You want that family meal to be there. Uh, you want to have a pre-bedtime routine and read books with them before bed to kind of settle them down. And I think if the family sticks with that, that really would make the um, sheltering in place much more of a positive event for both the child and for the parents. As we start to think past mealtime, and, and, and one of Mara's questions when we started was this idea of snacking. I'm going to tell you my own personal experience with four teenagers in the house. Uh, we are going through snacks faster than any of the healthy foods. And I started uh, doing something that I used to do when the kids were little. Uh, I'm up before everybody else in the morning, uh, starting my day working from home. And uh, when I get up, I make a smoothie uh, for everyone. And if it's made, it's amazing. It all gets consumed. But if everyone's left to their own devices, then somebody just grabs a box of cereal and a spoon and takes it up to their room. Um, one of the tips and tricks that uh, we've heard for healthy snacking is if you can see it, you're going to eat it. So be careful what gets put out on the counters. Um, one other trick I'll just share is uh, for many years when the kids were little, I would put together a plate of um, maybe carrots, cucumbers, um, some fresh veggies that they like, and some sort of dip, whether it was hummus or a yogurt-based ranch dip. And I would put that out while I was making dinner. And that seemed to stem the flow of questions for snacks or going to the pantry. Um, so that idea that if it's out, um, they will eat it is a is a way to try to get those fruits and veggies out of the fridge and onto uh, a plate where they can more easily um, walk by and consume it. I, I, that's a fabulous idea for any parent, you know, the, the, um, when you look at things like ranch dressing, uh, but other dips, hummus, salsa, guacamole, uh, bean dips, yogurt, all of those um, are great opportunities. You have one food group already sitting there for a snack, and then you can build around that, whether it's uh, uh, using pita bread or crackers, or as you use the cut up vegetables, or if you have uh, uh, certain types of dips, you can you can dip fruit in them. Those kind of things attract kids. Um, the the <laughs> dip attracts a child, and that's your opportunity to build out, try new things, build around it. They already like the dip, and so it's a great it's a great opportunity to uh, to try things. I love smoothies as well because you can tailor those to the kid. They're fairly easy to make and blend up. And um, but if you 
don't have a blender, you can still make uh, parfaits and things out of yogurt, whole grains, and fruit. You have three food groups right there and one snack. And that's how I think adults can think about nutrition in a way that is simple and direct. Think about food groups, think about mixing and matching them, but at the same time, don't forget that there's a joy to feeding and eating and uh, and you don't this isn't supposed to be torture it's supposed to be fun I think that's great advice around uh, both incorporating multiple food groups in each um, eating opportunity whether that's snack or a meal um, but also remembering that, that that eating can be fun and I think one of the questions and we talked a little bit about it but didn't fully answer was that idea of the role of nutrition and immunity and I think you hear a lot about um, taking large su- large supplements or high doses of certain uh, vitamins. And what I think is really key to remember is that vitamins are important parts of many of the of the functions of our body, the cellular functions. And immunity is just one of those cellular functions our body has. So if we're eating a wide variety of foods, um, and I always talk about eating your rainbow. So if you can eat um, fruits and vegetables from all different color um colors of the rainbow, you really are getting a lot of those micronutrients and vitamins that you need uh, to support the immune system. And if you're eating a healthy and well-balanced diet, large supplements are not necessary. And so really the goal is to try to get uh, to increase the diversity of the foods that your children are eating and um, give them opportunities to play and uh, experiment and participate in, in the selection uh, and trying of new foods and recipes. Yeah, I agree. You know, the one time I, I do recommend um, supplements is when the child is extraordinarily uh, picky. And some of some, most kids grow out of that kind of picky phase when they're young, but, but some are genuinely uh, picky and the supplements may help kind of ease parents' minds and at the same time fill in gaps. The other group I, I always worry about are... Um, teenagers who have a tendency to, even if they know nutrition pretty well, they have a tendency to kind of drift away during their teen years and uh, and then come back as young adults to a more sound nutritional base. So I, I, I do worry about those groups as far as uh, uh, supplements and particularly young females that are moving from adolescence into young adulthood and then into childbearing years, you want them protected as much as possible uh, with a really high-quality diet. I think that's a great point. As we're starting to think about uh, wrapping up this podcast, are there resources, Dr. Murray, that you like to refer patients uh, or families to uh, to get more information around nutrition? Yeah, I have a few of them. You know, there's so much stuff on the internet, and uh, it's really tough, I think, unless you've got a PhD in nutrition to know how sound these different um, resources are. So I usually tell people to focus on um, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and those are the dietitians, and their their website is eatright.org. Um, and they, they have just lots and lots of good, sound nutritional advice. Um, American Academy of Pediatrics has a, another website called healthychildren.org, and there's, again, a lot of information about pediatrics in general, but some good information on nutrition. Uh, I would recommend you find a few good dependable sites and stick with their advice rather than shopping around all over the internet. 
So I think our key takeaways for parents during uh, this unusual time of sheltering in place is don't stress about the nutrition too much at this time. Find the opportunities to uh, spend some time with your kids, either exploring new recipes, trying new things, allowing them some chance to, to touch and play and, and uh, experiment with food a little bit. Uh, try to incorporate your five food groups into each eating opportunity, whether that's snacking or meals. And to really, uh, if it's not already part of your family's routine, set the routine of a family meal together in the evenings uh, to both anchor the day for the children as well as develop long-term healthy eating habits. Dr. Murray, did you have anything else you wanted to add? You know, I'll, I'll add one other thing because it's kind of a focus of attention for a lot of parents. And when you think about things like sugar and fat and, and salt, rather than focusing directly on those, think about what food is underneath those things. So if you have a child who really, really likes bacon and you can use that bacon to sell salad, that's a good trade. If they really um, like sweets and sugar and the stuff underneath it is high quality, it's uh, you know yogurt and fruit and, and whole grains, that's a good trade. It, it's not the sugar, it's what's underneath that's the most important thing. Great. Thank you both so much. You're helping me to walk away with some new ideas to try with my own kids, which I really appreciate. So um, we appreciate your willingness to help us build awareness for the important role nutrition can play in helping to keep kids healthy today. And not just with this pandemic, but after it's finally ended. And for our listeners, if you're hoping for more podcast episodes on nutrition and immunity, rest assured we are developing a series of additional episodes to help support you including the second episode with Dr. Murray and Dr. Wolf, where they'll talk about kids and exercise in the era of COVID-19. You can find these recordings on anhi.org by clicking resources, then podcasts and videos at the top of the page. Don't miss an episode because if you become a member of anhi.org today, you'll get updates for all of these things. So just click register at the top of our homepage to receive regular nutrition science updates from our team or you can also follow Abbott Nutrition Health Institute on LinkedIn. And then finally, our website, anhi.org, has a series of printable resources related to this topic. For instance, infographics on nutrition and immunity and dehydration and why maintaining muscle matters. You can find these resources on anhi.org by clicking resources and printable materials. Thank you, everyone. Stay healthy and stay safe.